Welcome to your last podcast, the last podcast in the game, but the first you should listen to. I'm your host, Colton Simpson. With me this week, always in my corner, it's the amazing Grace Tadigan. Hello, hello. And to my left, it's our resident audiophile, William Am Clark. Hi. And all the way down at the other end of the table, it's Mr. Listen himself, Josh Fay. What do you add? So what is your last podcast? We're a conversational podcast where every week each of us brings a topic of conversation to argue amongst ourselves and talk it out for your amusement. If you like that, be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed to never miss a new episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, leave a like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're feeling generous or have a couple of bucks to toss our way, you can always head on over to patreon.com slash yourlastpodcast and help support the show. And with all that out of the way, Grace, what's your topic? All right. So it seems like a lot of your really good stories, the three of you come from high school. It's probably because you all went to high school together. So I figured a fun topic might be what is your most memorable high school experience? I mean, it doesn't have to be the best one by any means, but just something that is really memorable. I guess if someone was asking you about, you know, with your high school, this story would come to mind. And Josh, uh, when we were chatting earlier, you said, oh, I've got a great answer for yours and I hope no one steals it. So uh, you go ahead. That's because it's a historic answer. Okay. And it's something that one of these days I will tell my grandchildren (laughs) because it's such a pivotal moment in time. And it's something that not very many people can actually say that they've actually heard this question posed to a person in authority like this. So... (laughs) Back in, he knows, <laughs> he knows. Yeah, I so, know. so back in, I'm going to say, 08, 09, somewhere around there, we had an assembly because there was a youth leadership conference, something like that, that came to, came to Goose Bay. And lo and behold, take a guess who was running the campaign for this. I remember the story now. So Justin Trudeau, right? He came up to Labrador as part of this youth venture. I don't even think he was part of the Liberal Party then. I don't even know if he was in politics, but anyways, he came in, he walked in, they had this great big like presentation. What it was about, I don't remember because I wasn't really paying attention. Was anybody? Was probably, about, probably sure not. Bullying and suicide prevention. No, 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 no. That was a totally different guy. Yeah, that was another. That was one. a totally different guy. Mm-hmm. That this presentation was specifically about as a young individual, how can you get involved in your community? How can you take leadership initiatives? You know. Uh, are you interested in politics? Yada, yada, yada. What do you want to do with your life? So, of course, you got a bunch of like 16-year-old unengaged Goose Bay boys sitting down in this auditorium. And all we're talking about is like, oh, can't wait to get the fuck out of here and get on Skidoo. Or can't wait to go to fucking Tim Hortons here now, dinner time. Like, who get the fuck off stage? We got no interest in you. Yeah. So there was one particular guy in our friend group that was there. His name was Clayton. <laughs> And at the end of the presentation, Trudeau's standing up there on the stage and he goes, okay, guys, you know, I'm not a whole lot older than you guys are. I'm very down to earth. Does anybody have any questions? You can literally ask me anything you want. Big fucking mistake. (laughs) I mean, Clayton's shoulder almost got dislocated. His hand went up that fast. And I looked over to him. And of course, before I even had a chance to like process what was about to happen, Trudeau spied and said, yes, go ahead, my friend. And he goes, how fast can you ride your pedal bike? (laughs) (laughs) And the look on his face was like utter shock. I don't, I don't even know since, since he's been in office, if he's been hit with a question as tough as that, (laughs) to tell you the truth, it was just what? And he goes, how fast can you ride your pedal bike? (laughs) And one of our teachers strut down through the aisle and grabbed Clayton and was like, 
you get out of here right now. <laughs> like, savage Adam. I died. Like, I think, I don't know if I've laughed that hard since. I'm still laughing about it now. Yeah. And that was like, my God, over 10 years ago. Just about, yeah. But what was so funny about it was, when did, when did Trudeau get in? 2015? Something like that? Maybe, 2015, mm, somewhere around there? Some Sometime around there. That was literally the point in time where I look back and I said, oh my God, I can actually say that Clayton Bercy asked the Prime Minister of Canada how fast he could fucking ride his pedal bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I remember I put that up on Facebook and Clayton commented on there. He said something along the lines of, wasn't very fast. He wouldn't even give me an answer. <laughs> but that is a story that I will tell to my grandchildren one of these days because how many, no one would ever believe that. No. If, I, if I was to tell any of the crowd that I know out here in town, like, guess what? When I was going to school, a feller asked Justin Trudeau how fast he could ride his pedal bike and he wouldn't fucking tell anyone. No one would believe me. I mean, that is pure fiction right there. That is lying at its highest performance, right? Oh, no, sir. 100% true. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite memories that I think about with high school, just because our high school years were so stupid and so burnt and not taken seriously at all and that is just like the pinnacle example of what's something dumb that happened in school that sort of encapsulates the four years you went there that's it clayton asking the prime minister how fast you ride your bike so <laughs> that's my high point for high school yeah i remember the first time i heard that story i didn't even know what you meant by pedal bike oh because really? i had never heard it called that before like no? a bicycle or a bike but i'm like oh, pedal bike what is this a pedal bike well if you just say bike Specifically back home, we're talking about dirt bike or quad. Oh, right. That's so that's why, why you emphasize okay. pedal. Okay, now I understand. All, All right, right uh, Colton, do you have something or should I toss it over to him? No, I'll go. I'll go. Um, I was going to go with a little bit of a different answer here because when I think back to high school, I think a very natural thing to think about is prom and everything kind of surrounding that. But when Josh was telling his story, one of the things that kind of encapsulates the last couple of years of our time in high school was just driving around in truck all the time, <laughs> off-roading, uh, side-hitling, going on old dump truck training road and drifting around. And I remember, I think it was, what was it, like 2009? I think it was the summer. We found this little plastic boat. The Enterprise. The Enterprise from summer. <laughs> where, where do we scrap that from? That, that, was a, that was a play school boat that we found down on the trail cutting behind Saunders Pit and, right. Liz and Elizabeth Avenue right in the valley. So we found this boat and I remember there was a bunch of holes in it. So we took it back to my house and we, we repaired it, you know. Put her in, this, put her in Star Dock yeah. and fixed her up. Yeah, but like Tyvek tape around it so she wouldn't. So she was seaworthy? Yeah, she was seaworthy. And we <clears throat> put it in the back of the truck and we just went up to drop zone yes. with, with her in the back. We hit a huge jump. I knocked the fog light out of the canyon. Uh, the boat flew out of the pan. Yeah. Uh, but a couple weeks later, or maybe a couple days later, we took her down to Northwest River Beach. <laughs> <laughs> and we brought her out in the waves and i remember we stood in the boat and we were seeing how far we could get in the boat and eventually she just sank and yeah. i remember steven's aunt got really angry at us because the yeah. enterprise wasn't so seaworthy and she had to drag it back into shore well she went from starship to litter pretty quick yeah. <laughs> once she sank and once she was litter i mean we weren't dragging it back in you yeah know? as we've said on the podcast we're all right with litter i was so. out there with the fresca cans that's fine yeah, so when I when I just think back to high school, it's a lot of like little stupid stories about driving around in the truck. I remember mom when I came home with the fog light missing, she was savage. And I remember uh drifted around in Saunders Pit with I think it was one of Ham's girlfriends at the time who was having like a heart attack, basically, from being oh. so, Yeah, so afraid. That was pretty funny. She, she actually has heart problems. 
<laughs> yeah, it might have been from my driving. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah, but a, a lot of like just off-roading, I think, is kind of what I look fondly back on in high school. Yes, uh, if we're best kind. If we're excluding like prom, obviously, which is just something I'm sure in like 20 years time, I'll still remember. Burning gas and spending money. We were always having fun as long as we were doing one of those two things back home. And eating, of course, spending money on food. But yeah, um, we did spend a lot of time driving, like not to over and <laughs> sort of overshadow your answer. But yeah, we, like I'm not joking. Every day after school. All right. Where are we going today? Let's mm-hmm. bop around up seaside, Canadian side yeah. of the base. Maybe break into a few buildings. Break into a few buildings yeah. and, you know, drive over a few alder beds, down a few trails and stuff. We spent so much time. I know those trails like the back of my hand up there. I could do them blindfolded. And it's because we just lived there mm-hmm. <laughs> for basically two summers, right? There we go. And what about you? All right. I'm going to bring up one thing that actually doesn't involve either of you. Oh, okay. Good. It involves some people we know. So it was me, Brandon Kosh, who was driving his dirty old Ford Focus, Patrick Singleton, and then there was another unimportant person (laughs) that I'm going to leave out because I I can't even remember who it was. Might have been Josh Tate. I'm sorry. (laughs) so what we did was there was a beach party out i think it was wilburn bay and the boys were sitting around listening to fucking music on their phones with the shitty fire roasting marshmallows over it we just come razzing over in this dirty old ford focus none of us had shirts on (laughs) and we just interesting additive we get out of the ford focus and just like launch onto everyone just rubbing up on everyone what the fuck am and basically we fucked up their party and then <laughs> went out into the cold water and we're like all right boys we're going skinny dipping now <laughs> so we're all out freezing you didn't kiss pat in this story too did you <laughs> no i didn't kiss pat in this story i don't think i, I don't think i kissed anyone in this one <laughs> anyway that's besides the point Anyway, we go back in with our birds froze, you know, proud as peacock, because we fucked up their day. <laughs> Excellent high school story, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, I, I know you pretty well. How the hell did you get your bird wet in water, my son? You won't go above your knees. You're so terrified of drowning. <laughs> you sit I, down on the shore. I can, I, can, I can float. Plus, it, the water wasn't moving that much. I'm, I'm more scared of moving water. All right. That that shit's that shit's not fun. I had no idea where that question was going. I was like, "What? What, what are you going to ask your?" Yeah, I know. I was waiting for you to cut me off, but oh man. Also, another great story time from uh, Neely Mountain Collegiate is watching my friend quit high school. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. why are you here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Gets up, leaves, never comes back again. I'm not sure. We, we saw, I, I think most of us saw Ian leaving. He just sort of <laughs> skeeted around for a little bit. And we're like, Ian, what are you doing out wandering around? And he's like, oh, boy, just, you know, quitting school. I know, I know that teacher. And we all knew that oh, teacher. Yeah. He was a pretty strict dude. Most of us probably look back and respect him now because he was so strict. But I bet you that did catch him off guard. He probably did not anticipate why are you here? I don't know. As an answer, and then checking out forever. <laughs> I wonder if he lost sleep over that. Well, Ian spent like you know three years after that hanging out in his basement and snowboarding. So 
a wise yeah. decision. <laughs> it was it was a great decision. Did A B fix his washers and dryers now? He's best kind. There you go. So I feel like my high school experience doesn't really line up with anybody's from here. And I always get teased saying, oh, it's because you went to a rich school. I really did not. I went to a pretty sketchy high school. If you got kicked out of your high school, you went to Mac. If you got kicked out of Mac, you went to my high school. So it was not exactly glamorous. Oh, so you're two levels down. Okay. <laughs> Basically. And then if you got kicked out of my high school, you went back to Mac. But anyways, um, and then it was just one of these places where a lot of people talk about like extracurriculars and clubs and stuff like that. We had none of that. People talk about, oh, in this, you know, in grade 10, I took grade 12, whatever. Or these were my options. You had one option per year like there was no options there was no clubs there was nothing nobody had any kind of school spirit like this like school assembly like you're talking about <laughs> with justin trudeau like you would not have been able to get enough people together to bother even organizing that in my five years of high school we only had one successful high school dance every single other one got canceled for lack of participation yes, so the one that i was thinking of is in grade nine, the one dance that we had, and I got bullied into going because they really didn't want it to get canceled. Do you remember the much video oh, high yeah, school yeah, dances? Yeah. yeah. They like much music. Much music. Would like cha cha slide and stuff like that. Is that what you're talking so about? So they would get somebody from the TV station. One of the VJs. One of the VJs to come to your school and like DJ the dance, but with music videos. So they would come with these big screens and projectors and put it on. And basically, up to like a week before, we still had such a low ticket sales that they were going to cancel it. And so people who really wanted to go, like, the, I don't know, 10 or whatever people who wanted to go, started like bullying everybody into, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. And so that was like the one school spirit thing that happened in my entire time in high school. And so that's one thing that I think about sometimes. So I went to this dance. I don't think anybody so much has changed. Like they just went home from school and they just came back wearing exactly the same thing they were wearing already. And they're like, well, I guess I got to be here, whatever. And so came back and it was not a very good time because nobody was having fun. The only funny part of the evening was there was a guy who was in my geography class who was kind of hanging around dancing near me and my friends. And I'm the worst dancer of all time. Um, I don't know. He was just like a friendly guy wandering around and then the slow songs came on. And so all the couples broke off and everybody who wasn't in a couple like shamefully like scooted over <laughs> to the side. And like, because we, we hadn't been taking it seriously, we'd been like joking around all evening. He's like, do you want to slow dance with me? We can bump into all the happy couples and annoy everybody and i was like that sounds excellent and so we started like crashing into everybody and uh halfway through is this the that, same guy you didn't know you're on a date on? no someone totally <laughs> no someone totally different someone totally different but then halfway through the dance he's like i'm eric by the way i'm like i know we're in the same class and he had no idea so i feel like in many ways that kind of sums up my entire high school experience people in my classes having no idea who i am my entire school just sucking and just uh what an excellent know. uplifting high school <laughs> right? story it's just was. like it was such a Oh, man, I always feel so bad when people are like, high school is the best time of my life. I was like, wow, that's rough. This this topic really spiraled out for me at like shirtless men, <laughs> weird, like much music dances. This, this like went off the rails really quick. This is not where I thought this was going. No. And then I'm telling stories about just driving around in a truck. It doesn't even involve high school. No. I don't know what the hell happened. This, guys, this went sideways real quick. Um, uh. But anyways, I guess leading off of that, yeah. I'll just go into my other topic, which actually is about comedy. So uh, nowadays, I think comedy is kind of having a resurgence, like all these hour long specials on Netflix. I think more comedians are like kind of finding an audience and finding their voice than ever before. 
But one of the things I hear constantly discussed nowadays is, is there a line with comedy? We live in a culture that's a little bit more PC or a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sensitive. Sensitive, yes. A little bit more sensitive than it has ever been, from what I understand. So I just want to know, is there a line with comedy? Because when you're going to a comedy show, you are signing up for something that, you know, you're going there to laugh. You're going there among people that they're trying their best to make you laugh in whatever way possible. Just like when you sign up to this podcast, you know, when you check in for 10 minutes or so to listen, we're classified as a comedy podcast. So we're supposed to be funny. Uh, You know, sometimes we fail. Sometimes we don't deliver. Exactly. (laughs) But you're signing up for something very specific when you sign up to a comedy show. So I'm just, I just want to ask the table just generally like Mm. comedy. Is there a line? Okay. So you're specifically talking about like going to a show I thought we were sort of just, and, and that's fine. I can still kind of come off that, but I always sort of live by the motto that if you can't laugh, it's just as well to die. Cause oh, it's going to, yeah. it's going to be an awfully boring life. Now <clears throat> with regard to actually, you know, dissecting is something truly funny or not. I think you sort of have to consider, is it a joke or is it an intended insult? Because there is a bit of a difference. It's not funny if I specifically say something with the intention of hurting someone and getting other people to laugh at their expense. That's not really a joke. I don't think that that's a joke. I think that that's just me being cruel and people agreeing with me that, yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious that that was the cruel statement. And laughing along with me. And laughing yeah. along with yeah. me. That's a bully tactic. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think that comedy has a line. I don't think if something's actually a joke or if it's, you know... As a comedian, pick your audience. You know, don't be making anti-Semitic jokes in a crowd full of, of Jewish people. That makes no sense whatsoever. That is you. See, that's not, that's not comedic effect. That's you insulting a bunch of people. And I, I'd take a little bit of umbrage with that just because you could be a Jewish comedian making, a, making oh, Jewish absolutely. jokes and to that's a crowd full of Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Or it could be just... You know, we have in jokes among our community that maybe some people wouldn't understand. You know, just like we could probably make jokes amongst ourselves about things that happen on the podcast outside the recording. Yes. That, you know, pe- other people wouldn't get. You know, once you're part of like an insular community, you might be able to. And I get that. I, I get in terms of like, yeah, sure. It, you have the right to make a joke because you are you belong to the crowd that you're targeting in your joke. However, it's like, are you actually targeting that segment? For like the purposes of insulting yourself along with everyone else, because I'm okay with insulting myself, but if I'm going to insult myself in such a way that it's also going to pretty much describe him and him to a T, mm-hmm. right? That's not really, that's not really a joke. That's just me making an insulting statement and then sort of not realizing that, oh yeah, well, fuck, I didn't really think about those two are kind of identical to me in that regard and they might not like what I have to say. That's not really a joke to me. Mm-hmm. When I think of like comedy and people just, making like, I, I don't know, some sort of outlandish joke. And then certain people say, well, we're going to basically transform what he said into like a socially relevant issue and sort of try to pick the snots out of that joke to make it offensive. No, I don't agree with that. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right either. So it's sort of, I don't know. I don't think comedy has a line. Per- personally, I don't. What do you think, Grace? Yeah, I, I don't think comedy itself has a line. There's a lot of comedy that I don't find funny just because it's not at all my sense of humor the stuff that's intended to be shocking you know the stuff that is particularly i don't know graphic or you know filled with cursing or whatever that's just really not my cup of tea i'm not offended i'm just not amused mm-hmm. you know i mm-hmm. find you know silly incongruous things typically pretty funny 
that's that's my cup of tea. But, you know, watching uh, and I mean, I'm not a big fan of stand up comedians anyway. I mean, I've I don't think I've ever watched one of these one hour Netflix specials. Okay. I know they're hugely popular. And I remember, is it Russell Peters? Is that a guy? Yes. Yeah. 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 So he was really, really popular about 10 years ago. And I had a lot of friends who just loved listening to him there. He's like, he's great. You got to listen to him. And they would put on a special and I would just look at it and I would not laugh once. No. And I, I've watched him and most of his jokes are centric around. I'm brown mm-hmm. and I'm going to poke fun at myself and mm-hmm. all the rest of people that are brown and you either find it funny or you don't. Yeah. And I mean, I'm fine with self deprecation. But he doesn't, he doesn't do it in an insulting way. Though. No, I've watched no, no, enough no. of it, right? But uh, that was just an example of a comedian who people have showed me his stuff, mm-hmm. you know, on many occasions. And I just, I don't laugh. I don't find it funny. I don't know. It's just not, not my kind of thing. Is, am, am I saying, no, he's pushing the boundaries of comedy too far? No, I just think he's kind of unfunny. And I also, I, I feel this is a weird way to explain it, but like, I'm also really not typically a fan of female comedians. Like Melissa McCarthy, I just think is the most like annoying female humor. Annoying, and it's this sounds bad, but I feel like most female comedians are just trying to do what male comedians are doing. And I just go, can't you do something different? Can't you do something better? You mean like, when Amy Schumer is screaming vagina every yeah, year and they don't find it funny? There's nothing funny <clears throat> about that. You know, I don't find any of it intelligent. I don't mm. find any of it engaging. I can't relate to any of it. So I don't really understand. It's not that I think they've, they've passed the boundaries of comedy. It's, I think that they're just completely in the wrong ballpark. Have you ever listened to anything that was supposed to be a joke and ever take no offense to it, though? Oh, probably. I can't think of a particular example well here's just a really simple one remember when a couple of years ago they talked about newfie jokes on cbc they were like do you oh, find the can, term newfie mm, offensive they can fuck off with that well <laughs> a lot of they, they can offended. they they can but a lot of people would disagree with you and say that no it's offensive why i don't know because you have chosen to sort of interpret it in a way mm-hmm. that makes it seem like a negative mm-hmm. <laughs> like a negative thing but it's not it's just a term yeah it's I, you interpreting see once again it's not the comedy is actually intended to piss you off. It's you are finding ways to be pissed off at something that's relatively benign. I and we're really good at that in society. I think the reason people get upset with that is the term newfie comes from, you know, outsiders making fun of Newfoundlanders. And that's well, we why make people... fun of them, too. Well, no, I, know, <laughs> I agree. But it's yeah. like it's like any other and obviously not on the same level as other derogatory terms. Absolutely not. And I'm not a Newfoundlander, so I can't speak for everybody. But like, I can understand the, the logic of it. Am I offended? No. That's the way I look at no. it. And what purpose does it really serve at yeah. the end of the day to make a big deal about it, right? Yeah, when, you know, the whole purpose of it is supposed to make people laugh. And that's the thing about comedy. It is subjective. Like, I am somebody who I tend to like edgier or more shocking humor. I know Grace is more of a fun of, like, puns and wordplay mm-hmm, and yeah. things like that. I remember... Uh, one of your roommates showed me a comedian and he oh, kind I of thought re- he was so funny. Yeah, he like relied on wordplay and he had this section about dinosaurs. And I was just like, this is not funny at oh, all. Man, could, it was so funny. I can think of 10 funnier dinosaur <laughs> jokes to use. But anyways, when it comes to comedians, I, I, I like the edgier stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think you can make a joke about anything as yep. long as it's funny. You can make rape jokes. You can make Holocaust jokes. You can make insult any race type of person as long as at the end of the day, it's funny and, and not like, an insult. And like you said, it's not intentionally meant to actually be like, I am veiling what I actually think about these people just, you know, and I'm going to get everyone to laugh with me. I'm going to get a stadium full of 10,000 people to laugh with me in an effort to be like, 
I am right. This is what we all feel. As long as it's actually about the comedy at the end of the day, just making a joke, trying to make a room full of people laugh, I'd be more inclined to agree with like, there is no line at all. Now, I think anybody in that audience has a right to be like, well, I don't I like, like it. I don't like that type of humor and just get up and leave. I, I believe like if you show up to, let's say if you went to like a comedy club now and let's say like Louis C.K. just showed up unannounced and did a set. I fully believe you could be like, yeah. listen, I don't support the dude and all these different allegations and get up and leave. And maybe he shouldn't even be there without being announced because obviously there's a lot of people that wouldn't want to hear what he has to say. But I do think when it comes down to comedy at the end of the day, there has to be some way to laugh at ourselves and laugh at things that are shocking. The opposite is just you pretty much get into horror. Like all these things that are horrible, basically a horror movie is just they take our deepest, darkest fears, societal fears and like everything we've ever been afraid of and put it on screen for us all to like cathartically get it out to look at it and be like, all right, that is the worst thing that can happen. Hopefully it'll never happen to me. And you get out all those deep seated things with comedy. It's the other way where we're trying to make light of it. We're trying to laugh at it. So when I hear people slamming comedy or slamming comedians because they're talking about certain subjects. I want them to at least talk about the subjects. You don't have to like them. You can, ins you can say you don't like their comedy. But I think there should be people making these edgy jokes because otherwise we're just going to stop talking about these things altogether. So. Yeah, and I also don't think that it's right to just appropriate certain types of jokes that certain people are allowed to get away with. You know what I mean? Like, for example, this is a really silly one, but there is like a Facebook page for like native memes <laughs> where people are just throwing up all these like native jokes that if anyone else who was not Aboriginal said, they would be ripped apart and eviscerated online. Technically, three out of four of us are best kind for that. Well, that's True. what I'm saying. But it's like, I don't like the appropriation of certain segments. I agree with you. I think it is important to be able, as bad as it is to say, to make the rape jokes, to make, make the like misogynistic jokes, to make the like feminazi jokes. I think that stuff is important because as long as everyone can do it, and as long as it's funny, then it's fair game. Right. And I think everybody can do it. But I do think there is a area for if you are a white dude using the N word in your set, I, I can understand why people would have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. And I think you you're fully should have a problem with that. Personally, I, I you know, I don't want to hear it very much in like this white dude saying it. But there are comedians that do it. And I would never say he can't do it. He's not oh, allowed to do right. it. Let's, you know, make sure he never does stand up comedy again. But. Ham, how do you feel about it? You haven't spoken <sighs> up at all. Yeah, well, you guys were having a good go at it. Um, I don't really think there's a line, but I don't like when comedians come in with like an obvious agenda to what they're saying. Like, like you said before, they're like, all these people are laughing because they agree with me. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's fucked up for one thing. But like, what's a good example? Like, see, I have a, a point yeah. to counter that. Basically, every single like yeah. Stephen Colbert yeah, shitting I, on Trump. What's your With point, a specific Grace? agenda. <laughs> the one like stand-up comedy thing that I have seen that I really found hilarious is this guy called Jim Jeffries, and he's Australian, and he does oh, this yeah, bit yeah, yeah. about Americans owning guns, and he basically just lays out a whole bunch of common sense things. He goes, "Look, I I have nothing against guns. If you want to own a gun, own a gun, but don't say it's for personal protection. Don't say this. Don't say that." Because if you like guns and want to own a gun, then go ahead and go. And so that's what his whole thing is about. And he makes fun of these people who say, oh, it's for personal protection. Well, if you're a responsible gun owner and you got to store the, the ammunition over here and the gun over here, well, someone breaks in, okay, give me five minutes to unlock everything, get my gun together. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's definitely an agenda there. Mm -hmm. But it's just 
basically showing the the ridiculousness of the situation and that i do find funny yeah i i that is that is true like everyone has their like own biases mm-hmm. and like comedy is usually like putting your own like spitball thoughts out mm-hmm. there just to like see where they land like not even because you think they're right just because you just want to like say shit like dave Chappelle is a good example of that yeah. he just spits whatever's out on his mind out there and like sometimes it lands sometimes it really doesn't land mm-hmm. but he he makes the audience aware of it he's like i'm not here to be right i'm just here to fuck around <laughs> and like that's and, and i think you have to have the right to fuck around and try new things like how do you even figure out like as a comedian as like these groups of people that are like if you look into it they're actually like all depressed and you know if they're writers they probably hate all their work how do you actually put stuff out there and even try and even feel if it is funny you know after you've tried these things 10 15 20 times that might be on the low number of things how do you even know if they're funny if you're not up on a stage doing it in front of an audience you know being like well i'm gonna try out this whatever edgy joke hopefully they laugh and if they don't maybe i won't use it again because it's just not funny what about dark humor, Ham? You're someone who strikes me very often as having like a dark sense of humor. I mean, we've laughed at some pretty cracked yeah. things in the past, but we we laughed because we genuinely found it hilarious. What do you? Th- what's your take on dark humor? Gallows humor? Yeah, like oh. the the darkest fucking shit. I there. truly believe sometimes the only way to like process things is to laugh and, mm-hmm. and get over it. Like, there's a lot of people when you go see horror movies, you'll see someone get decapitated and the audience will laugh at it. And the reason why is because it's so graphic and shocking, they don't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people when they are uneasy or uncomfortable, they will just laugh. You know, based on just that's your uncomfortableness. That's how you react to it. Yeah, that's the only way. But you But do you think it. it's actually funny? Sometimes, or, yes, yeah, I do too. Yeah, um, it all it all depends on what it is. I'm not going to say every sort of gallows humor is funny, but I've definitely seen destroy the child. <laughs> yeah, like I've, I've definitely seen stuff that is funny, of course. You know, and a lot of time, I I think it is the the shock of it. Like, geez, I wasn't expecting to see that. And you know, you accompany <laughs> this picture with this other picture, and just the comparison is uncanny. There's, you know. I, I, I think there is a point for gallows humor. And Ham, if you watch or listen to the podcast, he's the one on here all the time making gallows humor. It's true. Yeah. Put me in the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kill me. You know. So if it wasn't comedic, we'd all be very concerned, you it's know, true. as he drinks his tea. But it's true. But I, I think there has to be a point for comedy to stretch your legs and do whatever you want. I'm surprised we just all agreed on this. This was not one I expected us all to agree on. Okay, but, so just very briefly then. When would you say, if you had to draw a line, okay, where would it be for you? What do you think? I wouldn't draw a line at anything for me. I think okay, I, think I could fine. actually be in a comedy club and listen to somebody make a joke about anything. Now, I'm not saying I can make the joke, and I'm not saying I can do it justice, mm-hmm. but I think I could probably laugh at almost anything in, in a comedy club once you're in the right environment with people. You go there to laugh. You don't go there to sit around and be grumpy. It's true. You know? Yeah. So... Yeah, so I went in saying, like, I don't think there's a line. When you were talking about things like rape jokes, I don't think that's funny. Like, I just, I don't, I don't think that there is a joke that can be made that I would be entertained by. Yeah. and, and You know? And so I said, I don't think there's a line. But I think the reason I said that is because I would not consider that comedy. You know? Okay, I yeah, just, they... you know, it's, it's completely in the wrong ballpark to me. So would you find it insulting? I would find it very insensitive. But, and would now, you, but would you feel personally insulted? I have never been a victim of sexual abuse, so I'm very lucky in that respect. But I know some people who are not as lucky as me, and I would be thinking of them, and mm-hmm. I would feel upset on their behalf. Would I storm out? No, but I probably wouldn't find myself in that position to begin with. Yeah. No, that, that, and that's fine. I, I'm just saying, once again, it's, it comes down to 
doesn't necessarily have to apply to you for you mm-hmm. to feel targeted. It mm-hmm. just has to be, was his specific intent to sort of put the bullseye on people mm-hmm. like me? And I think if mm-hmm. the question is, if the answer to that story is, yes, I think they did come in looking like, all right, there's a category of people here that I am going to make fun of, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different than making a joke then yeah, no, it's inappropriate. I think nowadays it's really hard to get up on stage and talk about rape anyways. I was using extreme examples, but I mean, rape is something... Unless you're going with the Weinstein thing. Yeah, but that's the thing. You're still making rape jokes at that point, right? And you know, if you're making the jokes of, let's say, the dropping the shower joke, which is like the laziest rape joke you could do for like if you're going to jail... That oh, is soap bar. Yeah, the, okay, you know yeah. that's been around for dozens of years. I'm not saying it's funny, but obviously that is a joke that most people were fine with for maybe up until four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing with comedy; it just evolves throughout time as well. But I still think you should have, you should be able to try it. You should also go up there and say your rape joke and get booed off stage if the audience doesn't like it, or you're saying something heinous or vile sure. as yeah. well. It, it's equal both ways, I think. And where do you draw a line, personally? <laughs> I see. I don't think I draw a line, but I do want to see things done in like good taste. I think you don't you don't want to see them go for the easiest joke. Yeah, you want it actually be funny, just like yeah. I want to see the like they're actually trying to like think about it, and like I think comedy for the most part is just like throwing things up in the air and like trying to make sense of it because like we live in a world that's really fucked up and i think that's what comedy's supposed to do it's just supposed to like point and be like hey the world is really fucking weird and this is where we live and let's all take 10 minutes an hour and laugh about it together and hopefully it's therapeutic and cathartic and that's and of course once again that's the danger with drawing a line on anything is that once you draw that line and if you start to create a societal norm out of it people are going to shy away from whatever particular part of the line they don't want to be on and then that's like, it's almost, it's almost bordering censorship in a weird way, mm-hmm. right? Saying something's off limits. I don't think anything should really be off limits. Yeah, it comes down to a question of freedom of speech, essentially. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you should be able to say anything, but you should be sensible when you open your mouth at the same time. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Am. I think that kind of wraps it up for my topic. What's your topic? All right, folks. So I wanted to know what cinematic universe or what fantastical universe that you'd like to be a part of now there's there's tons of options like josh you got star trek oh, yeah. got... don't spoil them all <laughs> let's, yeah. let's just hop into it yeah so i'd love to be a red shirt on the enterprise be there great. you go <laughs> but you wouldn't last long. i'll be dead inside a week <laughs> no i'd love to live in the same universe as the 24th century version of tng right so like 24th century of gene roddenberry star trek universe i'd love to be a part of it just because it is a fantastical and very optimistic future where we haven't totally destroyed everything which not it's not dystopian in nature like most modern future outlooks it's very optimistic in nature which is or utopian i should say um yeah i'd love to exist in that realm (laughs) i can't really think of anything negative about living in the future, like the Star Trek future, aside from you might end up as a Borg drone if you venture too far to the <laughs> Delta Quadrant. But right. aside from that, it'd be pretty cool to be on a starship, warping around, beaming places. Fuck, I could cut down my time driving between here and Casada in a fraction if I could just beam in. And then when I see Missy, who does a poor job on the Bredos, I could beam out before she notices that I'm there. So yeah, aside from that, that's where I'd want to be, 100%. That's, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's where I figured you'd want to be. I got kind of got two answers to this one but i feel like i want to pass it off first all right i'll I'll go on 
So from Josh, he's talking about way in the future. What world I'd want to live in? I want to live in a world that's a lot simpler than ours. A world where you grow up alongside monsters, where you make friends with monsters, where you fight with monsters. And of course, the world I'm talking about is the world of Theodore Rex. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with that Pokemon, of course, but no, Theodore Rex. I was wondering when this topic would ever come to light. Theodore Rex is like a great world to live in. It is a world where man lives alongside with dinosaurs and we all live harmoniously. Where man and Whoopi Goldberg exist in harmony. Exactly. And I, I was just trying to think of worlds, you know, there's some other worlds that if you search up you know, famous imaginary worlds, they come up and I would like to live in those as well. But living in Westeros would be miserable. Yeah. You know, living in Star Wars, you know, only a fraction of the population are Jedi. So when dope. I, I was thinking about the Theodore Rex world, I wanted to live somewhere. Let's see if their dinosaurs are cool. Now, they're not cool in that world. They wear weird jackets and big, strange shoes. But it is a world that's very similar to ours, other than the fact that dinosaurs are in it and they work with us. How cool would it be to be like a writer in the Theodore Rex universe and your assistant be like a friggin' pterodactyl or something? <laughs> like, it'd just be so bizarre. So, you know, it's a fun, stupid answer, but it's a world that is the same as ours, but there's dinosaurs in it. So I could just be doing the same thing I do. I could have a podcast with three dinosaur people with me, you know, talking about various topics, and it'd be weird. And I could continue writing. I could, you know. I, that, that is a, imagine now we're just sitting here and you got Colton the Ham and a Joshosaurus sitting yeah. over here on the end and Grace is some kind of pterodactyl. Yeah. Yeah, no. That'd be weird. It's just funny. And if you're not familiar with Theodore Rex, you need to watch it. It, it is something crazy. It's about a, well, it's something. That's a T-Rex sure. as a detective teaming up with Whoopi Goldberg to solve murders. Now, obviously, I don't want the murders to be in my world, but there's murders <laughs> in this world, too. So, yeah, let's go with Theodore Rex. There is no land name for that land, just the Theodore Rex world. <laughs> the perfect world. The perfect world. Yes, 100%. Oh oh, All right, Grace, where are you going? Mine's an easy one. It's Harry Potter. I'd be some Ravenclaw off to the side. It's funny. I've seen jokes saying, you know, what what's happening at Hogwarts now that Harry doesn't go there anymore? And people said learning now that he's not screwing <laughs> everything up. So I'd just be some random Ravenclaw, like stressing about marks and stuff like that. I, I really loved a lot of fantasy as a kid, but there's so many of these books. I'm like, I would not handle this well. This is way too stressful. Like, I loved the Chronicles of Narnia growing up. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. But when it comes down to it, it's a bunch of kids who, like, get sucked out of their world and then have to, like, kill a bunch of things. It's like, I could never do that. These, these fantastical worlds are, you know, not nice places usually. And I think about a lot of the books I like, like that Holly Black wrote, and she's got the fantastical element. She's got all these, you know, fairies and creatures running around. Like, they're awful creatures. They'll tear you to pieces. I don't want anything to do with that as much as, you know, hypothetically, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, I could go down to the dock and see a mermaid or whatever. I couldn't handle it. So Harry Potter, once he is out of Hogwarts and just living his life, you know, I don't know, causing trouble elsewhere and learning is happening at Hogwarts again. I could so do that. Random Ravenclaw. Yeah, just a random. I'm such a Ravenclaw anyway. I would never be anywhere else. But yeah, Ham, you've got two answers. I'm curious. The obvious one here, I think, is the Star Wars universe because if I had my choice. Sith or I, Jedi? I'd be a Sith. I'd be so stressed <laughs> out. I would be like omnipowerful. Like, I'd be God tier. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Plague is so but if if we're going for my more complicated answer here, it's 
got to be the Fast and Furious. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Fast and Furious comes Damn, up all the time. For fuck's sakes! That is basically like a superhero universe exactly, at this point. Yeah. Exactly. You don't drive. No, I don't need to. I don't need to. I just want to be. Thank you. Just you know, in the seat next to not fuck, Paul Walker. Not Paul Walker because he's he's a corpse. Oh no! Dark, Dark humor. humor. Yes. That was the only way he could get out of his contract. Uh, (laughs) I'm just picturing Ham standing at the bus stop as these cars go whizzing by and being like, yeah, living the life. No, but I'd I'd just like to be, you know, next to old Vin Diesel making his one-liners the whole time, you know? Maybe go through a few buildings. What the fuck, man? No, like, the thing is, like, it's to the point where, like, it's not even about cars in these movies anymore. It's just stupid stunts. Everyone should be dead like 10 times over. The Rock pulls a helicopter out of the sky (laughs) with his bare hands in the most recent one. It is crazy. I can't wait to see that movie. Like, it's so over the top. Oh, my God, Ham. I was expecting something from the anime universe. Like, no one shows Pokemon. I was referencing Pokemon with my Theodore Rex lead in, but the the thing is with Pokemon is just, I don't know what happens when you're like 26 in Pokemon. Ash has been permanently like 10. Yeah, you only got to be like, what's Brock? Is Brock old? I don't know. Because I always wondered, would it be weird if you had a 10-year-old bopping around with like a 20-year-old gym leader? (laughs) That's kind of strange. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the thing. I just don't know what happens after the Ash part of the Pokemon universe. I don't know. Maybe you're 30 and they just take you back and kill you. That's it. (laughs) Like, I don't know what happens in the Pokemon universe. How did no one mention Middle Earth? I thought one of us for sure would say Middle Earth. Because, like... Your answer for Westeros, yeah, Middle Earth would be a shit place to live as just an average citizen. You're just oh. some random fucking horse jockey up in Rohan. But what it's not a great life. What if you're Frodo coddling up with Sam in the middle of the night? <laughs> <laughs> Gollum following you and stuff. Uh, like, true. no thanks. Yeah, no. It, it wouldn't be a great place to exist, I don't think. I think Ham would make a good Gollum. behind <laughs> you. <laughs> Oh, Ham would have his iPhone there, my precious. Jonathan Stroud wrote these books. Uh, Wait, Jonathan the, Stroud? The um, uh, the Bartimaeus trilogy, where it's kind of like you've got these demon entities yeah. that you can summon, and then there's like wizards who are summoning or magicians who are summoning these creatures, and they kind of work with them, but they're kind of slaves. And then there's all these like regular people who don't have magic, and there's an uprising. I could probably work with that. Summer World of Warcraft. Like <laughs> Azeroth is always yeah. listed as one of the It's always spots. a beautiful day. They're, in all, Azeroth. they're also really funny books. So, I mean, I'd be okay with living in a comedy. <laughs> oh, Interesting. Man. All right. Are we good? Yeah. I th- Got I her think, covered? I think that's about covered. Okay. So, for my topic, which is a little bit more meta than what <laughs> cinematic universe would you want to live in, I just sort of want to go around the table and discuss is there anything that you believe in that you cannot prove? but yet you truly feel exists. And I'm going to throw it to Grace first, just because. God, okay. Big question. Um, Big question. I, no I, wrong answer, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of raised eyebrows at this one. Um, I couldn't necessarily think of something that exists that I don't, you that know. you believe exists. That, that, or that I believe in. Can I amend it yeah, slightly you that can, I believe That's in? the whole question. You okay. have to believe in it. Okay. Think that it's real, but you have no way to prove it okay. or show evidence for it. I have always thought, and I don't know if I have ever said this out loud before. This is not an external thing. I have always thought I will die very young. Oh, geez. I have always Ooh, firmly talking. just had this feeling inside me that I will die young. 
I was convinced I would die before I turned 16. I still didn't. Then I thought, okay, 18's got to be it. 20's got to be it. 25 has got to be it. I'm still here, so I'm running out of time to die young. But I do not think I will grow old. I don't know why. I don't know what I have in me. But I just, and I don't think like. You've been in Newfoundland too long, you know that? (laughs) And it's it's not that, I mean, I've thought this ever since, gosh, I can remember thinking this in elementary school. I have thought this all my life. I don't know why. I don't know where this comes from. And it's not like there have been a lot of illnesses in my family that I think will be hereditary or anything like that. I'm thinking it'll be some kind of weird freak accident. And I I am convinced I will die young. Well, hopefully if you do die young, it is. A rare freak accident. Yeah, because I don't want you to go out with a whimper. It'd be better no, to just, exactly. you know step off the curb and boom, smack Metro boss gone, mm-hmm. instant over. Yeah. Right? Dark yeah. humor. <laughs> but yeah, and- it, it, it would be better to go that way than it would be to go out with a whimper yeah. and suffer indefinitely. So but yeah, I obviously have no proof as to why this would no. be. No. Um, but that's just something I have always believed. Even when you were a child, it, like you said, it, it, elementary school. I and remember you, thinking, you firmly believe that, not just, yeah. oh, I'm going to die, like when you're going down no, Toboggan no, 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 Hill or not something even like that. that. No, not even that. I mean, I am a nervous person, obviously, but it's weird because I don't find it gives me stress. This is something I think that I've just believed it for so long that I have very much come to accept it. You're just saying, well, you know what? I am going to die young. Now, am I stressed, let's say, going down the toboggan that I'll get injured? Yeah. Am I stressed that this will be what kills me? No. So I'm not afraid of death, I don't think. I think because I, I have accepted for years now that I just know I'm going to die young. I don't know why. Well, you're running out of time because none, none of us are that youthful anymore. Well, no, that's the thing is I'm like, maybe I can't die young anymore because I'm not young anymore. Remind me but- of my grandfather he used to say, well, mother died when she was 76. So if I makes it till then, I'll have to stay until 84 because that's when father passed. Mm-hmm. So if I get past 76... I got no choice. I'm going to be around for another eight years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of logic that that sounds like. And it makes no sense when you throw it out there. But you believe it. And I don't doubt that you believe yeah. it. Just same way my grandfather used to believe And that. I mean, I have no reason not to. I mean, my great grandmother lived to like 104 or something Jeez. like that. My, his, uh, no, sorry. So my great grandmother. Was she in condition at that oh, age? Oh, yeah. And, okay. She was doing great. Um, and then her son, my grandfather, he's in his 90s. He still goes, like, two years ago, he hopped on a flight to Italy and just wandered around by himself in his 90s doing just fine. You know, my little brother always said, you know, Grace, I figure there's a 50% chance we're going to live forever. And I said, why do you figure that, Jack? He says, well, Grandpa Pat is, you know, in the best shape of anybody in our family, and he's in his 90s. And Grandpa Charlie just won't die. And he's almost died like 100 times. And so he's like, there's a 50% chance. I said, both of our grandmothers died uh, a little bit on the younger side. He said, well, that's the other 50%. But um, hmm. yeah, no, I just, that's something that I have absolutely no proof for, nothing to base it good. on. It's a good but answer. I like that's, it. That's what I believe. Okay. Next. Me? Mm-hmm. All right. I, I was pretty conflicted when it came to this answer, because when you talk about, you know, things you can't prove, the very natural thing for me to go to, as has been mentioned a couple times on the show, is religion. Yep. Now, obviously, it's one of those topics. We'll probably never have a topic where we're just going to talk about religion. It's, it's a very heated topic, or, you know, very conflicted, a lot of different views. But I guess I'll go there <laughs> for this answer. Um, you've all heard this story before, there's, so there's not going to be too many reactions to it. But I was brought up in a very Christian home. Uh, as I went and did my degree, 
it teaches you critical thinking. It teaches you to be a little bit more skeptical. So when you apply that to like your religious denominations, you start to wonder about things. Trust but verify. Yeah. Yes. And I'm not saying that my religion has it all figured out. I mean, there's probably dozens of <laughs> different uh, sects of Christianity. And I kind of struggle to believe we got it all figured out and everyone else is wrong. But one thing that I can say with certain that I remember hearing as clear as day and seeing in my church that I interpreted as scary. My mom, I remember saying, well, that's beautiful. When I was young, uh, there's this kind of thing in church that happens in some of the more, I can't remember what they're called, some of the evangelical, evangelical churches where there's this tongues. concept of speaking in tongues. Now, if you search it up, it's kind of hard to search up. A lot of times when you search it up, it sounds like this weird language, kind of like an old like Greek or something like that. But when I heard it at my church, it sounds very different. Now, it might just be the Labrador dialect. It might be, you know, some sort of way where it sounds a little bit different. But whenever you search up these videos, when I see them online, I go, oh, that just sounds like someone speaking a different language. When I'm at my church, it does not sound like a different language. It sounds like something completely other. Like, it's almost something you'd want to record if you wouldn't, like, just burn in hell for doing that. Um, but I remember one day in particular... Just as the service was kind of wrapping up, we might have been in like this state of like people might have been praying, you know, we might have been singing. I can't remember the, the specifics, but I remember somebody stood up on like the right side of the church and they just started speaking in tongues really loud and it kind of grounded everything to a halt. Like we stopped praying or stopped singing. I remember being young, also being like, what the hell is going on here? Mm -hmm. And I remember the pastor, whoever at the time said, does anybody have a translation? Does anybody know what this person's saying? Because they were going on spouting it on for so long. And I remember an old lady that I've seen dozens of times at my church who I've never seen open her mouth once. She's always seemed like a very shy person. She stood up on the opposite side of the church. And when she rose up, her voice was way deeper mm -hmm. and she was translating. Mm -hmm. And I remember the hairs on my arms are standing up now but that is something truly i cannot explain when you go to things like let's say joel Osteen, when you get these mega churches yes. and you're figuring out all how, how these people are figuring out prayer things there's a lot of uh people that have proven that like they're using radio waves they're using earpieces to kind of figure out people's prayers what they need to be prayed upon in goose bay i don't believe like 10 or 15 years ago we could have had this figured out to like do this grand charade so that's the thing when i was a kid and in that church i do not know how the heck that happened. And I remember that being something I truly could not explain. And it's mm -hmm. still something that if I was ever in a position to doubt, like that there's anything out there, you know, I, I can't do it because I was there. I heard it. Mm -hmm. I saw it, whether or not I liked it, which I didn't, I didn't think it was a comforting feeling. You know, like I said, my mom feels differently. It was just, it is something I cannot explain. And nope. something that I don't think really can be explained because when I do search up other things, like I have and did other readings on religion, there isn't like a one-to-one -one connection there. No. But what I saw that day was chilling to me and something that, of course, makes me go, there's something here. I don't think we have everything figured out. No, and you know, to, to sort of bridge off your answer, I'm just going to, I'm not trying to skip mm. your hand, but mine sort of relates a bit to his. So I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. Um, similarly to yours, mine is more of a spiritual angle here as well. There's two things that I really believe in, especially more so as I get older, because like you said, through skepticism and sort of critical thinking, I'm as I get older, I'm knocking out more and more alternatives all the time as to like alternate solutions for how the world could exist, right? So the older I get, the more things I start to discount or disprove in my head, at least, that yeah. like, no, I don't think that is the way that it works anymore. And I've kind of come to two conclusions. I do believe that there is in some 
way, shape, or form intelligent design for the world we live in. And the second thing, which is such a minor part of that, is intuition. I have no way to explain either of those things, how, what, you know, what evidence that I have, aside from the, intu- the intuition part, which is I have, throughout my life, and I'm not saying I'm psychic or nothing, like I'm not you a fucking a Mewtwo a si- here. You got a bit of a sixth sense. It, it's just, there are certain times, I wish I could predict good things, like 649 numbers, but I can't, I'm not there yet. But it, like, the boys <laughs> jokingly call me Jostradamus. <laughs> because it's always these stupid little true. <laughs> these stupid little predictions that just sort of come out of nowhere but they're usually at least more so in the last few years more like emotional ones so for example this is such a really stupid example i was caught on the outer ring road about a week ago and there was a really bad accident somewhere i just heard it on the radio i was stuck in traffic so i tuned in yep there's an accident on the outer ring it was at four o'clock. And of course, you can make the argument that a lot of this stuff is confirmation bias, whatever. I understand that. But I just had a feeling. Now, I do a lot of driving. I get stuck in traffic all the time. There's always someone banging into someone somewhere. So delays, very normal part of my routine. But for some particular reason, I just had this bad feeling. I was like, you know what? It's four o'clock. I should check on Mother and see if she's all right there now. So I caught, made the call. And just said, where are you two? Like, are you poking your way home there now? Oh, I'm already home. Oh, good. I was worried because, you know, I'm stuck in this traffic jam. I figured you might have been in collision. She said, no, it wasn't me. It was your Aunt Joss. So it was just sort of like, how did, like, how did I sort of like, I got it wrong, but I kind of got it right Mm -hmm. in a weird way. And why? Why? Just very, very silly little, like, stumble into a prediction but yeah i find stupid stuff like that happens to me a lot i can't explain why i had to be a bad feeling i mean i just went and had a meal of mary browns i should have been feeling great <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so i can't understand it and with regards to intelligent design the older i get maybe the more like self-aware i become in terms of my surroundings and just looking around do you ever take a chance to just sort of like stop and think about things from a non-stoner point of view, and just at, like not a philosopher <laughs> so, stoner dude. point of view, just an actual like philosophical, reflective point of view. We live in a very well organized world for a place that is explained away by the scientific community as like random happenstance, chaos, Every, a, a chaotic universe. Right, everything is very well organized from the ground up. You know, from the 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 ecosystem through like you know the food chain through the way that the cosmos works and like I said, very meta topic. I don't know if I can really buy that any of that is just random happenstance anymore. The older I get, the more you see, the more you realize that there are a lot of more unanswered questions than there are answered questions. Sort of causes a bit of doubt in my head that geez, my you know maybe there is something to the idea that there is someone that had a plan. And for me, I think that's sort of the category I fall into now. I wouldn't necessarily call myself super religious, no. but I do have faith. I would certainly probably consider myself a Christian in terms of I have Christian, Christian Judeo values that I like to practice, but I don't know. I just can't explain away this stuff anymore so easily. Especially, maybe that's just getting old. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you there. Like, I feel like there's like a bit of like interconnectedness and like, I feel like there probably something out there like i don't consider myself like religious or all that spiritual but i think it's silly to say that there 
couldn't be or that there's not because I don't know, we, like there's too many weird things. Like, have you ever like have you ever been in like a place and been like, I've done this before or I feel like I'm supposed to be here? Sure. And like that, that happens to me sometimes. And, you know, you can even jump off of that in terms of like, you know, they get too emotional. What, what is, is love? love? Baby, don't hurt me. But you know what I mean? What is it? I can't explain it. Well, there's certain a chemical people, process th- there, in the but, brain, there's, but, but there's certain people that you might actually dislike, but you still love them. And you can't, you can't change it. Yeah. Like Why? the idea of soulmates or true love or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like we don't have a rational explanation for some of these things. That's because there's nothing rational about it. No, and, and maybe, exactly. You can't have a rational answer for the irrational, which is... Once again, we all would agree, though, that it exists. Hmm. It does Something. exist. Yeah. It, it, like, love in particular. It's a real thing. People do stuff for each other all the time because they love them, not because they necessarily like them, right? And it's just like, why? What is that? We don't know. And I don't think anybody really does. And to just sort of explain it away with, like you said, a chemical process or something. Okay, that might be the means to the end mm-hmm. of how you get to feeling. But that doesn't explain why it happens. Why, why, do, why does that chemical process happen in the beginning? I don't know. And what purpose does it serve? I don't know that either. Sometimes it feels like a bit of a detrimental effect that gets in a way a lot of the time. So and you're just like, fuck. What? So, so that throws the evolutionary aspect out the window. It's like, you know, sometimes it would be better to not give a dancing fuck and, and move on. Mm-hmm. But if you're in love, that sort of inhibits smart, rational decisions sometimes. So what's the, evolu- yeah. what's the evolutionary edge there? I don't know. So yeah, intelligent design and intuition, those are the two big ones for me. And I don't know, I just sort of thought it'd be an interesting question. I really was not expecting your answer because it sort of almost bridges on intuition a little bit. A little bit, Which which, which sort of makes me feel in in company of someone else Mm -hmm. because you don't have any explanation for that. Hopefully, through confirmation bias, you don't find a way to make it come true. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? But it is interesting. Yeah. It's the same concept. With that, uh, we're your last podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed. If you want to support the show in another way, you can always head on over to patreon.com slash your last podcast and toss up a couple of bucks. And with that, I'm Colton. I'm Josh. I'm Grace. I'm tired. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back. I with knew the- he was going to say that. <laughs> and we'll be back with a new episode next week and every week thereafter until our last. So thank you for watching. Thank you. See ya. Love you.